Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Um, what we would love to do um, now before Dave gets up um, and shares with us, we're really excited to be continuing on with our theme. Um, as always, we try and pencil in time um, where we try and outwork a practice that we looked at um, in the past. Um, and obviously, this is not to be in like a legalistic way or that you have to do it like this and do it like that. But these are like pointers to help us. How do we spend time with God, take those breathers with him, um, examine our own hearts, reflect, and meditate on him. It's basically like a guide for us to work off. And what we would love to do um, is just to examine our hearts tonight, just to take a moment. I'm sure you've all had a busy week, whatever it is. Um, or if you're like me, your mind's constantly going like this and so's your voice. I know I speak very fast. Um, but just to take a moment and just recenter ourselves. And that's what we would love to do tonight. So I'm going to talk us through that. Um, stuff's going to be up on the screen, obviously, for you to follow. Um, but what I'd love you to do right now is just to get comfortable. Um, if you just need a, if you need to move about or whatever, please get comfortable. Um, and just... Hopefully this should come up on the screen. Um, I'm just going to read this psalm over us as we examine our hearts because we want to do that each and every day before the Lord. Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way of me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's what we want to do in our practice tonight. So take a moment. If you want to close your eyes, if you want to use your hands to welcome him, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in the, in the quiet and in the meditation. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we ask, would you come and recenter our hearts and our focus upon you? When you're comfortable, um, why don't you take a moment now to, to play um, over the last 24 hours or even the past week to take a review of what has all went on. Reflect on those moments, the good, the bad, moments with family, moments in work. Play it back. What moments come to your attention? As you think about those things, we want to rejoice now. We want to thank God for the good things. So those good things that came to your mind and your heart, start to give thanks to him for them. What was good about them? How was he good in those situations?
now I think about the moments that were difficult. Areas where we maybe stepped out of alignment with God. We stepped out of what he would have wanted. Something we've said or done or thought that just didn't reflect him. Let's repent. Knowing that God is forgiven and full of mercy. Acknowledge it before the Father. And just welcoming him into those into those spaces. once you acknowledge those things before him trust the fact that he's merciful that he's forgiven that he's full of love and take time to resolve those things commit everything to God and commit yourself to him afresh for this week ahead give your yes to him Take a moment to just invite the Holy Spirit more into that. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for those moments that we get to celebrate him this week or in the past couple of days. We ask for forgiveness for the things that we did that didn't reflect you, but thank you that you're good and that you're merciful. And God, thank you that you take our yes again for this week ahead. That each and every day there's a fresh, there's a fresh pouring of the Holy Spirit for us. And so God, as, as Dave comes to speak to us, we don't want to just listen to what he says, but actually each and every day we want to recenter and outwork what he says, what the Bible has to teach us. So yeah, God, just even before we listen, God, we just like give this week over to you again and say, would you come and have your way? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, let's welcome Dave. Give him a big round of applause. Nice. Do you want prayer? Thanks, Katie. Just before we do start in, um, one of the things, guys, maybe if we could flick over to the other screen, can we? Is, is Maddie there? Just We've new members. Uh, we were, today we've been welcoming new members into the life of church. Um, and there's a, there's a PowerPoint with some of the names of people who have gone through Believing and Belonging over the last while. I followed it up with um, a conversation with elders in church, and today we just are delighted to welcome into the family and um, to say that they're now at the center of who we are, and we welcome anyone to our church, but there's people that just are saying they want to be uh, closer to the heart of, of things. Work, do you want to come and pray? If, if your name's on the screen, could you stand up? Even if you've done this this morning, just because there's an opportunity, in case there's people who aren't here, 
uh, have them in here already. Let's uh, give these guys a round of applause as they stand and stay standing for me. Let's just, uh, where you're sitting, maybe let's close our eyes and sort of stretch our hands out towards these uh, folks that have come along. <clears throat> Father, we just want to thank you that your design for church was not an organization, but it was a family. And we thank you, Father, that that was your intention. So as a group of other members of this family, in Jesus' name, we just want to say welcome to every person who's standing. Lord Jesus, help us as other family members not fall short of our responsibility to love and encourage and walk alongside our brothers and sisters who have come to join into this family. And for each one that's standing here and stood this morning, um, your word that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. We pray that that promise from Heavenly Father is evident and upon your life and upon your household, and upon your business, and upon everything that you put your hand to. We ask, Lord, that you outpour your blessing, and you flourish every one of these new members within the kingdom, and even within our own church family. So thank you for them, Lord Jesus, and guide them within this family to play their part in loving each other, loving us all, and loving the world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. If you have Bibles with you tonight, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Um, if Again, we're encouraging you to, to bring these and scribble notes on them. If you have journals with you, uh, you can uh, write, be writing as well. Just some of the things we're going through. Obviously, at the end, we're going to be reflecting on two questions again. And it's good to have some of these with you. We're in Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 to 14. You know that we've been on um, our Sermon on the Mount as part of our 166 series. Um, let me just start my timer. Um, and tonight we're just going to be starting to bring this to a close. Um, tonight we start to, to look at Jesus almost bringing in his summary statements about some of the things that, and over the next couple of weeks as well, and we're going to teach just some of how he, some of the final words that he wants to bring. But let, let's read this firstly. Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 to 14, and it's on the screen. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those that find it are few. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us tonight? In Jesus' name. So everything up to this point, you know that this is the whole story and the journey that we've been on with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, the main thing that he wants to speak about is this, the kingdom of God. He's been talking about what it means that the kingdom is present right now in our lives, not something that we have to wait for in an afterlife, but there's something of the kingdom of God to experience. He, he tells us and teaches what we've been looking at over these last number of weeks, what's some of the results that it brings us. You know that we looked at things like the Beatitudes, the blessings that it brings us, and the peace that the kingdom of heaven brings brings us in our life, but he also goes in to start talking about what are some of the responsibilities that we have if we're people that are calling ourselves citizens of the kingdom of heaven, citizens of the kingdom of God, there's responsibilities that that brings with us. 
And Jesus is trying to say this. There's a new way of thinking. As a disciple, someone claiming that they are a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's really easy to say the word Christian, but it's something completely different in being a disciple. Someone who wants to follow Jesus in all of his ways. And Jesus is saying this. With this, there's a massive onus. There's a massive responsibility to step into. Paul actually says this to the church in Corinth. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Really strong words. You're not your own. The price that has been paid for you, we have celebrated this and we've worshipped Jesus today and thanked him for the price that he paid. But because of the great price, we've been bought with this price. Our bodies have been given unto the Lord. This is, the, this is part of the sacrifice and the cost that we're going to be looking at tonight. But Jesus says there's a responsibility with us. And so what Jesus is doing here in verse 12, it's almost like he's starting to round things off. And, and again, we're going to look at the very end, some of the warnings or exhortations that he gives. Because the heart of Jesus is this. He doesn't want anybody to miss it. He wants everyone to get it. And for all of us, this is what we're going to look at at the end of tonight and over the last couple of teaching nights in the series, is Jesus is really trying to say, don't be, don't be deceived. Don't, don't be naive about some of the things, that, the pitfalls and the traps that can just pull you away from this. Jesus wants us all to get it. And so in verse 12, let's just start with it. Jesus says this, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets, um, if you've been tracking this, if you've been making notes in your journals along the series as we've been going, you might remember, I think it was the third week that we were on this. Remember at the very start, we gave an introduction to the series. We talked about how Jesus sees a crowd in front of him, sees into their hearts and their minds, sees all the different things that are going on, and he brings them up the mountain and starts teaching them. And then in the second week, we started unpacking the Beatitudes, the blessings, some of the amazing things that actually by being part of the kingdom of God, the results of it in our life. But in the third week, Jesus, we... Uh, looked at also referenced something quite similar to this. He mentions the idea of the law and the prophets. So he says here in, in chapter 7, this is almost coming to the end of his teaching on the kingdom of heaven. So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. But back in Matthew chapter 5, and Phil referenced this this morning, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What we need to recognize is this, is that Jesus is really clever. <laughs> when he's doing this. And this, it's almost like his sermon, every part of it's been bookended. At the start, he's referencing the law and the prophets, and then he goes into this series of teaching, and then he bookends it again where we're at tonight, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, because this is the law and the prophets. Jesus is really clear in this, that he hasn't come to do away with it. Jesus is a law observer, but how Jesus acts and works out the law and everything about it is that it's completely filtered through a lens of love. We're going to be looking at this tonight. And so what Jesus does is that in these middle sections, um, we're going to spend a little bit of time summarizing this at the end. Jesus obviously taught this as one big sermon. We've unpacked this week after week after week, the bits that were in the middle, in between chapter 5 and here we are in chapter 7. Jesus taught this as one sermon. But what Jesus is showing us is this. This is the essence of what it means to follow the law. This is the essence of what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And what we're going to see tonight is that Jesus is focusing all of this around love. Jesus says to fully observe and live as members of the kingdom of heaven, to be those who observe every word of the law and the prophets is this, is that firstly we have to love God. It's one thing to call yourself a believer, but all of that flows out of a heart of God, we love you. 
God, we love you. There's a love that grows in your heart that you love God. Jesus says, love, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. There's a love that we just have for God because of all that he has done for us. But then Jesus says, actually, in the love that we have for God, there's actually, there's an earthling of it because there's a practical outworking of it. And tonight, we've already started to read this in chapter 7. He gives a little bit of this. And then later on in Matthew in chapter 22, he references again. Because this is what Jesus says in both these times. So in chapter 22, when he's asked, how do we obey the law? He says this. So he firstly says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. And then he says this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Tonight, what we've, or what we're at in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, do unto others what you'd have them to do unto you. This is how we obey the law. The, the apostles, like Jesus' brother James, they all were picking up on this because they recognized that actually this, this is in essence, if you want to just boil it down, what does it mean to live your life for Jesus? This is the simplicity of it. This is what James says. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. James is saying, like, right, if you're, if you're going to get nitty and, gritty, or the nitty and gritty about it all, here's the thing. If you're loving your neighbors, you love yourself. If you're just doing that, you're doing really well. Paul says this to the church in Rome, for, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment, they're summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In verse 10, the next verse, he says this, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And then he says this to the church in Galatia, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Imagine this. Paul says, like, sometimes we can really overthink it, can't we? Paul says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. And this is it. Love. The whole law, everything that it means for us in our lives is fulfilled in one word. Love. And sometimes we can, we can miss the love part by trying to get involved in all the other different things. And if it's not all birth and love, we actually read this this morning in 1 Corinthians 13. If everything isn't flowing out of a heart of, a heart of love, it's worthless. All these other things will pass away, but love remains. It's the greatest love. And here's the two things I just wanted to focus on briefly at the beginning of this tonight. God is calling us to love in a couple of different ways. Two different people that I feel that God really is challenging us to outwork this love for because this is an essence of what it means that you have come alive in Christ and in the way of his kingdom. Firstly, it's that you love yourself. Love yourself. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we, we've used that word or the saying in quite a negative way. Do you know the way sometimes you, you meet people and they're just, they're just obnoxious? <laughs> and one of the things you're thinking to yourself is, man, they love themselves. Sometimes we'd say they're a bit up themselves, right? They love themselves. They're a bit over above their, their platform, whatever it is, right? That sometimes can be a really negative thing that we feel. And so sometimes the last thing you want to say is that you love yourself. That's really a Northern Irish thing, isn't it? We, we just never would say that. Society tells us that you're to be number one. Don't worry about others. Be self-obsessed. Get what you need. Get what you want. That type of love is selfish when people can be quite into themselves. This type of love, when we say love yourself and what Jesus is telling us to do, is not the type of love where you love in a selfish way. It's recognizing and caring for who you are. And here's the essence of it. You are an image bearer of God. And so what God is telling us is love who you are care for who you are. You are an image bearer. 
Hanasseh's image bearer, his desire is that you live in the fullest way possible so that you can come alive. God wants you to love yourself. Jimmy was reading or was wearing a t-shirt. I can't miss it. <laughs> and it's got, um, stand up for me, Jimmy. William, there it is. Big John 3.16, right? Blazing on his chest. We all know us. For God so loved the world, it includes you. For God so loved the world, God still loves the world. God loves you. And we can believe it enough to be saved. But sometimes we just really struggle in terms of the thoughts that we have for ourselves. Loving yourself isn't a selfish thing. It's to choose to see and act towards yourself as God sees you. So here it is. To love yourself is to care and boundary your life in such a way that you experience the love of the Father for you and the life he desires for you. Let me say this again. To love yourself is to care and boundary your life in such a way that you experience the love of the Father for you and the life he desires for you. The reason why I'm speaking this tonight is because the Father has been all over this with me the last two or three weeks. At the bar conference, this is the one thing he was speaking to me about. So Phil's told me a good book to read all about boundaries. I'm starting to read it. It's to nurture yourself. There's one thing you see, we can hear God so easily for other people, but how do you actually nurture yourself and nurture your own heart? Daily make wise choices that allows you to grow into the things of God that you look upon yourself and you treat yourself with love. You see, we live in a society that's all about image, aren't we? And uh, everyone's all about, right, so people will prioritize. So they're going to go to the gym five times a week, and they're going to eat this, and they've got their eating plan all sorted, and they've got their exercise routine all sorted, because we just want to have the right image. We want to look the right way. Clearly, I'm not one of those people. But this is, this is what the world's all about, right? But yet, for us in our lives, it's like, what are the processes, what are the disciplines that we put in place that actually cares for us, ourselves and loves ourselves to nurture ourselves so that we can grow into the things of God? That's why, that's why we're practicing things like some of the things that Katie's led us in. She's right. It's not where we're being legalists and saying, right, this is the religious way you should only do it. But I said, if you want to be able to just say, God, would you search me? Here's some of the different ways to think about it. Do it in your own way. But what are some of the disciplines that you build in your life intentionally that you're placing it in your diary and you're saying, I'm doing this today, I'm doing this today, God, so that I can grow into the things of you, how you care and you love yourself in that way to allow yourself to grow. This is where daily time with God becomes less of a religious, ritualistic thing that has to be done, but recognizing that looking after yourself in these ways, spiritually, physically, emotionally, it's something that pleases the Father when you do that. He desires these things for you. He loves you. He desires these things for you, that you would be spiritually well, that you would be physically well, that you would be emotionally well. God desires these for you. And sometimes we have to help him out. And that causes us to choose to love ourselves and to bind our lives and to care for our lives in these ways. And so what are some of the ways that you invest in yourself spiritually? physically, how you guard yourself emotionally. Only when, when we fully engage with what God has originally designed you to be do you start to embed rhythms in your life of work, rest, and spiritual discipline that allows you to thrive. Phil talked about the heart this morning. And one of the pictures I had this morning when I was praying for people over the weekend, I, I was cutting my lawn, and it had been a while since I'd cut it. But what had happened was that some of our lovely next-door neighbor's kids had come with some of his lovely wee stones. And obviously they'd ran across and there was a whole load of them scattered across my lovely lawn, those lovely kids. Um, and uh, 
and I didn't realize. And so what had happened was, Lord bless those little kids. And uh, what, what, had, what had happened was I was going along with my, my lovely shiny lawnmower, and next thing I heard this big clunk, <laughs> and one of the stones whizzes out. I'm like, oh, goodness, oh, there's one stone. And, and I go again, and there's a clunk, <laughs> and there's another stone. I'm like, and it's one of those ones I realized, man, there's actually a lot of stones. I hadn't seen them. And so what I had to do was to spend about five, ten minutes just to turn the lawnmower off, spend five, ten minutes just walking around, and just picking up all these stones. Picking up all these stones. Picking up all these stones. Do you know the, and it really drew my mind, and even this morning praying for some people, do you know the parable of the sower? And we have all these different soils. You see, the thing is, you need to know, if you liken yourself to one of the soils, it doesn't have to be your permanent state. If you feel that there is rocks and there's stones in your soil, what it is your responsibility to do is to tend for the soil of your heart. How do you remove the stones? How do you get rid of the stones out of the soil that is your heart? Because this can be good soil. And the reason why it's so important that you have good soil is that the roots can go deep, that you can start to be nurtured, that you can start to grow in the things of God. So how are you caring for the soil of the heart how are you tending to it? And when you notice those things that you remove, those little stones, and sometimes, just like my lovely neighbor's kids, sometimes those things can come in so unnoticed. This is where the Bible says the enemy is so subtle. Sometimes those little stones can start to come in in little unintentional ways. But how do you tend to it? And that's why even practices like Kiddish just let us in. It's important where you just daily examine yourself. Asking God, God, was there anything in my life today that just wasn't great? This is how you love yourself in a God type of way. And it's out of this place that this, this is where we, we lead into how we love other people. So the second one is love others. As you daily practice and lead out the mindset of choosing to live in a way that brings blessing and the things of the kingdom to your life, what it really means to love yourself, then it is choosing to apply this to others. That's what it means to truly love. Jesus and the apostles are saying this. What it really means to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. But practically what he said tonight, do unto others what you would do to yourself. Do unto others what you would do to yourself. Jesus says, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus said, if you want to get religious about it, do unto others what you would do unto yourself. That, listen, if you filter everything through that, it's a game changer. At home, your spouse, the people here in church, the work, to your kids, filtering everything through that lens, it's a game changer. The people that you don't like, the people that you don't get on with, but the Bible would classify as your enemies, filtering all through that lens, it's a game changer. Do unto others, would you have them do unto you? By asking basically these two questions, what would I want, how would I want to be treated? And how therefore they want to treat others. So again, sometimes people, you can have people in your life that you really struggle with. You can all maybe think of someone who's treated you harshly. Someone that's treated you in a negative way. Do you know what? The easy thing to do and the initial reaction would be either to avoid them or to act back the same way. Just to make them know and let them know that you know how they're making you feel and you know what I'm like. You know what it's like. But that's his disciples. Jesus doesn't let us off the hook that easy. Jesus says this, how would you like to be treated by these people? So think about that. Think about someone that you don't get on with or someone that you've had lots of struggles with. It could be someone that's really hurt you, someone that's really offended you. 
Try not to think about how they have acted towards you, but think about this. How would you like them to act towards you? How would you like them to act towards you? Because this is where Jesus flips it all on its head and says, right then, act that way towards them. You see, when we talk about love, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about, this is agape love. It's sacrificial. It's not based about what's coming my way. It's choosing to act towards them. It's choosing to act sacrificially. So how would you want other people to act towards you? Act that way towards them. Jesus says, treat them the same. We're going to see in the next couple of verses, that's not always easy, but it's what we're commanded to do is love. So let me ask you a few questions. This is where we get practical about it. So how are we loving people? Firstly, think about this. So let's, let's think about some of your, so again, a line Phil used over the last two or three weeks, your spheres of influence, people that you do life with every day. But let's think, for example, so let's start at home. Think about, some of you might live in the country, so this might not count. Your neighbor might be the cows in the next field. But think about your neighbor, right? How, and ask this question, how would I want to be treated as a neighbor? How would I want to be treated as a neighbor? Actually think about that. Come up with an answer in your head, will you? Give you a few seconds. Think of the face of the person, the family that live next door to you, those lovely little kids with their stones next door. <laughs> How would you want to be treated as a neighbor? This is where Jesus says, do unto others. should have them to do unto you. How to demonstrate love in that way. Right, some of you are own, own businesses. Some of you are bosses within businesses. And sometimes with that role that comes with a, it's my way or the highway, it's all about me. And do you know what? You have the vision and you're t- you have to ask people to do some things. But let me ask this question. How, ask yourself this. How would I like to be treated as an employee? If I was an employee in this business, how would I like to be treated? Because what Jesus says really practically, to unto others should happen to unto you. Again, for people who are employees towards employers, you could ask the same thing. How would I like to be treated? And how would I like to be, if I was the boss, how would I like to be treating them? Wait, this, this one's really, this is where it gets really practical. Wives and husbands. How would I like to be treated by my spouse? That's one of the questions. How would I like to be treated by my spouse? Now, hear this. So when you say it, when I say it, right, so do unto them, should have them do unto you. Sometimes we can love out of a selfish way. So one of the things we talk about in the marriage course and things like that is the different love languages. We all have different ways of expressing love and receiving love. Your partner's love language might not be the same to yours. Sacrificially to love them does not mean to love them the way that you like to receive love, but how do they, how would they like to be loved? How would they like to receive love? So it's do unto them, do unto others, you have them to do unto you. If you want to receive love and be accepted in that way, then it's do unto others, you have them to do unto you. It's a game changer, isn't it? You can think about this in lots and lots and lots of different examples. Teachers to students, students to teachers. Here's one last one. People here are new to church, right? We've just welcomed new members in the church. But imagine someone's coming along to church for the first time. This is one of my bugbears. 
How would you like to be treated if you were someone new walking into this church? Would you like to be left isolated? Would you like to be alone? Would you like to sit week after week after week where people ignore you? This doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen sometimes. So this is what Jesus asks. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. This is why, while it's great getting people to stand up and applaud them and pray for them and welcome them as they come on to membership, it's great that we could be a people that do that each and every week that are just looking out for other people to see people isolated and alone and to filter it through, do unto others as I would want them to do unto me. If I'm sitting isolated and alone, I would love for someone to come and speak to me. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Do you see how it works? This is what it means. This is where love in this purest form, and Jesus says this, to love yourself and to love people this way, this is the law and the prophets. While people get all technical about all the laws, this is where the Pharisees got all worked up by people who were eating a piece of grain or something on a Sunday. It's like these two things, love God, love yourself, care for yourself, and love other people. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what Jesus goes on to say, that this type of love and this way of living, it's not easy, because here's the verse we finish with. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Just five minutes in this, and then we'll round it up. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This picture is a bit fuzzing, but it was probably the best picture to illustrate this. It's a picture of two gates, and two ways, two roads. You see in this, there's a wee narrow gate down at the bottom. On the road, it's all hilly, winding. It's hard. If any of you walked up mountains, you know it's a bit harder than it is walking along the main road. And you look at the one on the right, it's well tarmacked. There's no bumps. Phil's cars that he was talking about this morning that are always breaking down would drive smoothly in this one. Wide gate. It's an easy way. It's an easy road. Lots of people could walk this way. Jesus says this, to walk the road on the left, the path of life, it's going to cost. He makes it clear from the outset. In Luke 14, he talks about this. This is the cost of discipleship. He says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? I'll not take time to read the whole thing, but pretty much in this passage in Luke 14, Jesus is saying this, count the cost. There's a cost to this type of life. This is what he's been teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount. There's a cost to this. It will not always be easy. Jesus says, don't expect it to be easy. This is the path of life. We go through the gate. And here's the, here's the significant thing. If you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, to get onto that path of life, that one on the left, there's a gate that you have to go through. The gate on the one on the right, it's quite wide. Lots of people can access it. Loads of people can go to it. But to get into the path of life, there's only one way. There's only one gate. And this is what Jesus says in John chapter 10. I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. If you want to get onto the path of life, there's no other way, only other than through Jesus. It's accepting Jesus and all that he has done. You cannot get onto this path by yourself. You will only end up on the other path, the wider path here that we see on the right. This is the path that all the world is on. But to get onto the path of life, we have to enter through Jesus. And to stay on the path, we have to follow the ways of 
Jesus. Jesus is standing on the path. And so what we've looked at over the last number of weeks has been through all the teaching that Jesus has said from that past part of Matthew chapter 5 where he talks about the law and the prophets. Right up to now, he starts to get really practical about it. And he says, these are the things that you've got to do. And sometimes they'll feel really hard. But if you're going to live out the cost of being a disciple, these are the things you just got to suck it up. These are the things he's got to live it out because this is what it means, the cost and the price that he has paid for us. This is what it means to live our lives for Jesus. And so he goes into it. He says, listen, when it comes to anger, he says, when he talked about it, he said, I've, it is written, do not kill. He says, I tell you, even if you're angry with something in your heart, it's just as bad as killing them. You see, Jesus, Jesus escalates this and raises the bar to a new level. He's telling us about really what it means to love. It's easy to say, oh, I love you, but to really feel anger towards someone or hatred towards someone. And Jesus is challenging that. We can't even have that anger. He says, even if, he says, for those of you, he says, it is written, do not commit adultery. He says, but I tell you, even if you even look lustfully at another woman or another man, this idea of sexuality and about your purity in this way, it's living it in a way that follows Jesus and what he's saying. Divorce and oaths, we've looked at retaliation. We looked about love for enemies. We looked about giving to the needy. We looked about the significance of praying and the discipline of this and other disciplines, the likes of fasting, things that are sacrificial and there's a cost to it. Simplifying our lives. Remember we looked about that, about the, the fact that Jesus says, go with less so that other people can go with more. Society says, you're stupid for doing that, but yes, this is the ways of, of Jesus and his kingdom, trusting God for our needs and our provisions, and then praying in faith. David talked about this, asking you will receive, having faith as we pray. All these things, all these things feel, feel awkward. Sometimes they can feel uneasy. It's a really uneasy thing. It's a hard thing to sit in a relationship where you like someone and to say to your boyfriend or your girlfriend, I, I, I can't have sex with you until we're married. There's a cost to that. It might mean the end of the relationship. The easy thing is just to stay in the wide road and go through the wide gate that everyone else is going down, what society's going down. When it comes to things like our money, and I'm going to keep my money for myself, I don't need to think about other people. That's really easy. Stay in the wide road. But to start thinking about, God, how can I, with what you've given me, how can I bless others? How can I give this away? That's, that's entering by the narrow gate in the way of Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, as long as I recognize the road is the one I'm commanded to walk and try to walk it in fear of myself, it is truly impossible. But if I see Jesus Christ walking ahead of me step by step, if I look only at him and follow him step by step, then I will be protected on this path. This is what it means. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. We look to him. You see, the opposite is true. The opposite of the wide way, the wide gate, it feels easy, perhaps enjoyable. Everyone else is doing it. You don't stand out on that one. Everyone else is doing it. And yet what Jesus invites us to, as we've said, is simply this, count the cost. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. One final quote, a couple of verses, and then we'll pray. Dietrich Bonhoeffer again says this. Sometimes we can celebrate and thank God for grace, but he says this, he calls it cheap grace. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. 
Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. This is something that we have to... You see, Jesus, Jesus hasn't promised us a comfortable life. The prosperity gospel will tell you that. Come to Christ and all your troubles will go away. You'll have all the money in the bank you want. <laughs> you'll, you'll not have any sickness and blah, 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 and all it goes. Jesus doesn't promise us comfort in this life. But yet these are the things that he does promise. And this is the beautiful thing. On this life where there's fullness of life, this is why there's fullness of life. Regardless of what difficulties you face, regardless of what obstacles you have to overcome, Jesus has promised you peace. He says this in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give on to you. Do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And he's promised you that he will never leave you. He says this in Matthew 28, surely, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the call. And this is what Paul would simply just say, to be on this road that's on the left, enter me the narrow gate, stand on the path, Dealing, this is what we've been talking about all day, how you nurture, how you care for yourself. It's just simply the principle of this. Paul says this, I die daily. So it's not just about your one-off prayer. Yes, it is in terms of justified. You're justified in that moment. But it's that daily, it's God, I know you love me. And I know I have a responsibility to love myself into the life that you have for me. So God, today I just recognize there's some things I need to die to. The very last part of what we did tonight with Katie was we are saying about how we resolve. It's God, this stuff coming up time and time again. God, will you help me to step aside? How do, how do I overcome this? What are some of the things that I need to do? How do I die to this so that I can live to you? Because this is part of what it means to be on the narrow way and the narrow path. What I would love to do just before we, we respond to this, maybe Lee and the guys can come. I want you to take... Just one minute firstly and just in silence with yourself. Let's just close our eyes. I'm going to do these two questions and then I'm going to just lead a bit of a response with this. I want you to just ask yourself this. And this might be an area that God's speaking to you about. It might be a person. It might be something in your life specifically. But tonight, I just want you to ask and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. What is God saying to you specifically? Take a moment just to reflect on this, will you? And then secondly, just ask this question like we do most weeks off the back of what God's saying. What, what are you going to do about it? What's the practical step for you tonight? For some of you in the room tonight, I feel actually that that's going to be identifying who are the people that you need to be accountable to some of these things to. Some things have just been repeated over and over. 
but it's because you've never brought it into the light. The enemy's really, really good at keeping it in his domain and keeping it hidden in the dark. That's why the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. Here are the people that you can be accountable with, that you can talk about these things. Bring it into the light. And so, Father, whatever it is, God, that you're speaking, and God, I pray this over my own life. God, will you help us this week to make the choices and decisions that love ourselves into the fullness of life that you have for us? And God, as you come alive more and more within us, God, I just pray, Lord, that your love would flow through us. God, would you help us to love our neighbors like we love ourselves? God, to do unto others as, you, as we would have them to do unto us. And God, I pray, Lord, that even for us as a church family together, God, I pray, let it start here. Let that start here. God, let that be our filter. God, let that be our posture one to another. And God, then let it come alive through us. What I would love us to do just as we finish, Lee and the guys are going to lead a song for us tonight um, called Savior Kings. One of my, it's one of my favorite songs from Bygone Days. Some of you might think this is a brand new song. Just shows my age. And, uh, but there's a line in it, and I just love this. And it says, I give my life to honor this. The love of Christ, the Savior King. And I just felt in, in worship tonight, I would just love us to respond to this. But as the guys just start to play quietly, just as we lead into this, I would just love just to give a moment. This is, this is, this is the posture. This is the posture of a disciple. These words on the screen. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, tomorrow is not your own. It's not about you going in to do what you want to do in the day. You've been bought with a price. So how do you start to practice this rhythm of God today, help me to die to the things I need to die to? God, help me to identify the things I need to identify that I need to die to again today. And do you know what? Some of those things... Holy Spirit will pinpoint even as you go through the day oh, there's another thing there's another thing I need to die to and what I would love us to do just as we finish I would love us just to use the space tonight just as a response for this I would just feel for us as a church community together you know one of the ways while we talk about not lo about loving ourselves the Bible actually says this, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to that's where like you can be obnoxious and really love yourself in a vain way it says but humble yourself humble yourself under the mighty hand of God one of the ways of humbling ourselves in a posture of worship is simply just to kneel and I would love tonight just even as we come just to sing this song if you feel that tonight there's stuff that the Lord has challenged you about and even just this this reality of God I just need to start developing God this God this this culture and this practice and this posture of my heart of dying daily before you of buying myself before you, of giving myself to you, and just recognizing, God, that this is something I want to begin to practice more. I would love you to come and use this space. I also want to say, just as we do this, that one of the things I've talked about tonight is loving yourself, and I recognize that there's some people in the room tonight who really struggle with your, your view of yourself. I just want to say there's prayer ministry on tonight, and I would love you not to leave if that is you tonight, if you struggle with your thoughts about yourself and how you see yourself, because the Father loves you. You need to know that tonight you're made in His image.
The Father loves you. He's great plans and purposes for your life, for you to step into. We would love to pray that for you. But as we start to sing us, we'd just love to invite you to come. This is us as we, we say, God, even in this moment, I want to die again. I want to die again to you and your ways. I want to be on that path of life. I want to enter by the narrow gate. I want to stay in the narrow path. And if that's you, I would just love you to come just as we start worshiping in this moment. Just come and kneel in this space with me at the front and let's just worship and just give this unto the Lord tonight. Can we do that? And uh, let's, let's all of us stand and if people want to come, let's, let's bow in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.